0: Welcome to the podcast Rooted, where I, Alicia, and some occasional guests share stories, advice, and dive into how the Bible and God's Word can apply to our everyday lives. Everyone is welcome, so thank you for joining. everyone, I hope you're doing really well. Uh, I haven't been making podcasts for quite a while. I just wanted to take some time out but also just be really honest about where I'm at. I want this podcast to be something that speaks truth and something that comes from a place of devotion. And I wasn't feeling like that for quite a while. So I wanted to make sure that the image of this podcast stayed how I intended it to. Today I want to talk about feeling like you're an unlikely choice for jesus feeling like maybe you are unworthy for god to pick you and what it looks like to live a life in line with the holy spirit now i know i don't know everything about jesus I don't know everything about his character but I have a heart that needs to know and I have a faith in Jesus. I also believe that we weren't meant to know everything about Jesus and this life because it's faith not facts and we have to put trust in him and his plan and what living life with the Holy Spirit looks like. We have to trust that And someone that had no clue how relational and how intimate his relationship can be was a woman we find in John chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verses 3 to 20. So if you want to read along, please do, but I'm going to read it for you. It says, So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee, he being Jesus. Now he had gone through Samaria. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon. The Samaritan woman, the sorry, the Samaritan woman, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Will you give me a drink?" His disciples You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who had given us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them like a spring of water welling up to eternal life and the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i will not get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water he told her go and tell your husband to come back i have no husband she replied jesus said to her you are right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have five husbands." And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, said the woman, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped you on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain, in Jerusalem. You Samaritans... Worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God's Spirit and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, and know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And I'm actually going to stop reading there at verse 27. Forgive me, I think I said to verse 30. Or maybe I said before, and maybe I've got carried away and read on. Um, I think I said till verse 20, but you've got seven more verses. So there you go, enjoy. Um, But verse 23 ends, um, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where um, you've bought some new shoes and they start to rub against you and they... um, give you blisters or maybe you're out on a night out for those girls and and you start looking great at the the beginning of the night and then your heels start to rub and then dress comes loose and you're stood there feeling like an absolute wally your hair's come down and your shoes are really starting to rub and you're like oh I forgot my flats what am I meant to do or for me right now goodness knows what's happened I've got a fresh pair of air forces And an old beaten up pair of air forces that I wear to work somehow somewhere I have lost one of each and I only discovered this when I started wearing the left the left shoe of the beaten up ones now I could have chosen better if I'm honest because the left one is the worst one of the beaten up ones it has got cracked plastic in the back and it rubs against my feet and it's not even like I can just wear both of them to kind of make it even out. It's not like I can just wear the fresh ones because I can't find them. I have one of each and it is, it's getting to me. If I'm honest, it's getting to me. But these shoes rub against the back of my heel. And the reason why I give this little antidote is because this woman, her walk had been painful she had got to a point in her life when her metaphorical heels or her shoes or like my beaten up air forces had walked me through life and started rubbing me down and started absolutely ruining the back of my heels started really destroying the way I walk giving me a limp now for this woman or maybe for you Life has given you a situation where it just keeps getting more painful and you get to that point where you just got to take the shoes off. You've just got to walk around barefoot because it gives you a breath of fresh air. It gives you that ability to walk with freedom and when you're in that much pain, trust me, I've been there, you take your heels off, you just do not care because the pain of those blisters has to stop And unbeknown to this woman she was about to have a true moment of vulnerability a true moment of being able to to stand there in her mess and be met by someone who would socially relationally and spiritually love her and accept her for where she's at you see, God wants to know you so personally in such a kind way. Now, I want to look at what this woman's life looked like up to this point. Now, I want to dig through three particular places in her life in which she was placed the lowest of the low. I mean, you see that spiritually, it was hard work for her. She had a hard job cut out for her socially and she had a tough walk relationally so first of all spiritually you see in this passage and you read about the fact that this woman is a Samaritan now Jesus is a Jew and for those who know a little bit about the context of this is that Samaritans do not talk to Jews they did not get on well And this is the reason so around 600 AD the Babylonians were a nation right next to these guys they came in they conquered Jerusalem and within that they actually conquered the Jewish people and the Babylonians were very clear about how they coordinated this you see what they did is they came in they found out who was like really good who was on point and they took these guys who were excellent and they would take them out of that culture they conquered them and then they took them back to their own culture and if you were an average guy average guys got left behind they were apart from the babylonians then they brought their nation it doesn't stop there they brought their nation into the country and intermarried into them to destroy their culture internally So this is what began to happen to the Babylonians. They began to marry some of the Jews and they would marry them. And this was not great, but it would happen at a great cost. They stood against what all the Jews believed in. And some of them did not believe that this is what God had for them. The Jews married the Babylonians and they would have children and families, but they were looked down upon by other Jews. The guys that compromised, the guys that didn't take things seriously enough, the guys that were weak, the guys that gave in. And these were the Samaritans. The kind of group that if you came from, then you were seen as spiritually second class. You were the guys that like the Samaritans were the guys who whose ancestors compromised. If you were a Samaritan, you were the guys whose ancestors gave in. And they kind of became this half-breed nation. So this is the context for this woman spiritually. She is a Samaritan, and she would have been on the bottom rung. And in her generation, she she could see the, the ancestors who were just basically a disappointment for her. And for Samaritans, it was a really big deal. She was on the bottom ladder spiritually now socially she was right at the bottom as well you see women weren't really thought of this well uh, in culture they were seen as really well they they weren't seen <laughs> that's the point they were completely dismissed and this is not god's heart i want to point out but this was true in the culture at this time and there's a book called the Talmud. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's a basically a, a Jewish prayer book. And in the Jewish prayer book, men would pray these prayers. And this is a prayer that was in the book. It says, Blessed are you, O God, who is King of the universe, who has not made me Gentile, someone who isn't a Jew, a slave, or a woman. Mm, yeah they didn't really like women that much even to the point that if you were a Jewish teacher um, you wouldn't talk to women or you wouldn't talk to your wife in public um, because it wasn't a good thing to do and again this is not God's heart but it was true for the culture at the time so this woman was spiritually on the bottom rung but socially on the bottom rung as well you see what this woman had done relationally put her at the bottom in this conversation we see that Jesus said yeah you're not married and you've been married five times and the man you're living with is not your husband relationally she lived through a story of rejection we can look at this story and go oh she got around a little bit and she's got she's had five husbands and she's now living with someone who isn't her husband but it's really important to understand the culture at this time Now women didn't have any rights at this time, so a man could divorce his wife for pretty much anything if she burnt the dinner. Divorce. Um, Which I'm quite glad about is not true for the time. I literally just made sausage rolls and burnt them. So, you know, well, haven't got a husband, but still, if that continues, I would be getting a divorce. If she didn't give him children, then he could divorce her. So maybe she was infertile and she never provided anyone for children, so they just divorced her. So her story is a story of pain and rejection, spiritually, socially and relationally. Jesus meets this woman. He is having an unlikely conversation in an unlikely place with an unlikely person at an unlikely time. Now let's talk about the fact that it's an unlikely place or the place that it took pl- took place. Um, now this particular well that is in this passage is a well that was built by a man called Jacob and um, this well was very well thought out. It was placed there um, to be able to bring water to that small tribe basically to that small collection of people who lived in that town. Um, But what would happen with these wells is it would rain, fill up the well, you would go collect your water and then it would come to the hot seasons where not only would it be used a lot more often but it would also be drowned out and it would become stagnant. Now this uh, particular well at this time would have been water of not great quality water that basically showed desperation um but not only did it show desperation this well was not being used by anyone else because it wasn't great quality water because it was stagnant and because it was empty as you see in verse um 9 to 12 it says the samaritan woman said to him but you are a jew and i am a samaritan How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritan women or Samaritans. Now the point of this place is really purposeful. This woman was quite clever about where she was going. She used this well because no one else went there at this time. She was hiding. Relationally, she was hiding. Spiritually, she was broken and ashamed and socially she was looked down upon. She did not want to be anywhere near anyone. And she is surprised to hear Jesus talk about this living water that she had never heard of before. What he was doing is he was offering her something that a well could not provide. Definitely not a stagnant one. He was offering her something in her desperation that would fulfill her in verse 13 it says jesus answered everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks of the water i give them will never thirst indeed the water i will give them will become in them like a spring of water welling up to eternal life this is something unheard of for this woman i mean it's unheard of that a I mean it's unheard of that a jewish man or jew would even speak to this samaritan so the very fact that he is offering her something is so unheard of she is probably absolutely shook and not only does he do that he speaks to her truths he tells her about her situation and tells her that he knows her but yeah he doesn't shame her you see Jesus at this point because it we it we can see it said so many times that Jews do not associate with Samaritans so Jesus is breaking social rules. He's talking to a woman let alone but he is also talking to an enemy who is a Samaritan, a woman, the enemy of the Jews. This is a woman who has had a massive fallback. She has completely been shamed in this shame to honour context and it would be known that if a Jew was to spend time with a Samaritan your reputation would be joined with them but Jesus risks that all and also to add to this this is the longest account of a conversation in John's gospel according to John himself it's not a rush conversation, he has intention and he has certainty about being there. He's not worried about his reputation because he sees the desperation of this woman. He sees that spiritually she has been rubbed down, that she is hurt, her heels are bruised and blistered. She is absolutely broken and needs to be met with. See, maybe your story is a story of rejection. Maybe your story is you feeling like right now that it is so unlikely that Jesus will meet you. Maybe your story is that you are not believing that Jesus will step forward and have a conversation with you. Maybe for you, for Jesus to talk to you, it would look like him having an unlikely conversation in an unlikely place with an unlikely person at an unlikely time. But Jesus doesn't work like this. He meets us exactly where we're at. John verse 27 to 30 where he says and this is where we're going to go on just then his disciples returned and were were surprised to find him talking with a woman but no one asked what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? She came out of the town and made, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. You see, Jesus speaks wisdom into her life. It wasn't just niceness, but it was impactful. He didn't shame her. He didn't shun her he didn't treat her how she expected but not only was this just a nice conversation where he didn't just look upon her and turn his nose up at her as she expected this wasn't just a pleasantry conversation but she leaves this place she leaves that well of stagnant water transformed after Jesus offering her a spring of water that would give her eternal life. Now, this is a beautiful story that I absolutely love because he meets with a woman who, who he risked his reputation not just to speak to her about random things, but he showed her truth. He gave her truth, spoke truth into her life, and allowed her to be transformed by offering her something that was completely unexpected. Maybe you feel like for Jesus to speak to you, maybe you feel like for Jesus to speak to you right now, it would be really, really unlikely. So I ask you this why did he choose to speak to her? Why does he choose those who are unlikely? Or why would he use us when we feel unworthy? You see, it is shown again and again in the Bible that God uses what we might call unlikely people. You see, we're not God and we can't know each other's hearts. We can never see the whole picture. We are bound by earthly limitations, and there's no way getting around it. Human beings can't be perfect, and we can't make perfect judgments or have complete wisdom and absolute knowledge. You see, the Bible shows us that God uses people, again, Jesus hung out with morally corrupt people, Jesus didn't rub shoulders with royalty, he made kings angry and defied the status quo. He didn't play it by the expectations of holy people either. He welcomed harlots and washed people's feet. He ate with river bites and hill people that didn't matter to the world around him. He didn't trend his gifts among the popular. He spent gifts on sickly roadside lepers who could barely grab the 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 hem of his dirty cloak and you have to read that story it's in Matthew 8 if you want to read that not only did Jesus do that but he pursued fishermen and his disciples not the rich and the famous this is who God chose to speak to and through he chooses Paul to show you what kind of God he is He chooses the weak. He loves the ungodly. He is kind to those who do not deserve it. Not only this, but he uses people who did deserve it, even though they thought they didn't. Now, in 1 Samuel, we read about David, and I love the story about David. You see, a bit of context for his story is, basically, Saul and Jonathan... Some guys in the Bible died in battle and David became the king of Israel. But there had been a lot of stuff building up to this. There was an unlikely choice of someone who was seen unworthy by even his family. Yet David was trusted to fulfill his promise at the right time. And... Just his story was absolutely incredible. Now, in one Samuel, as I said, we see the story of David being picked and David being chosen. Samuel was looking for a new king, as the Lord had sent him to do, and he went to a guy called Jesse's house. Now Jesse had I think nine sons, I'm not quite sure. And Jesse showed all his sons and invited them to this kind of presentation really where they would stand up in a line and Samuel would choose which one was king they were taken down this line and Samuel was kind of waiting for this big yes from Jesus verse 7 says "Um, the Lord told Samuel do not look at his appearance how tall he is because I have rejected him God does not see as humans see Humans look at the outward appearance, but God looks into the heart. So Jesse brings in all of his sons. Samuel says to the first one, the Lord has not chosen this one. And again, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Again and again, the Lord has not chosen any of these. He gets to the end of the row. Verse 11. Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest one, Jesse answered. But he's tending to the sheep. Don't worry about him. Samuel told Jesse, Send someone to get him. We will not continue until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had a healthy complexion, attractive eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Go ahead, anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the flask of olive oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. The Lord's spirit came over David and stayed with him from that day on again we see this story of rejection jesse david's own father said you know don't don't worry about him he's young he's nah he's nothing let him tend to the sheep he's a slave boy but yet god said i do not see as human see but i look at the heart in this samaritan woman we see that jesus looks straight into her heart sees that she has been rejected yeah, he chooses her because he has a purpose and a plan for everyone who is broken, for everyone who needs Jesus. What is the point of this episode, this podcast? It's to say that even though you may feel like it would be unlikely for Jesus to meet with you. Or maybe you're waiting for maybe you're waiting for Jesus to come and meet with you but it just feels too unlikely maybe you just don't feel worthy enough maybe you're looking at your leaders in church and you know yeah they've got it all going or maybe you look at the women in worship or men in worship and you go yeah they sound great and you know I won't give it a go because they're amazing I'm not as good as them I'm not worthy it's unlikely that God will ever choose me to do that he looks at your heart he sees you he sees your journey of those bruised hills. He sees that you have been hurt. He sees the rejection that you may have been through. And yet, He chooses you. So, what do we do with this information? Isaiah 52, verse 7 says How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news the good news of peace and salvation, and the news of the God the God that reigns over Israel. Now, I love to not only read this verse and think about how amazing it is to be given the job to bring good news and to peace to those who need it and to bring salvation and tell people that Jesus is Lord and that he reigns. But it's also just a beautiful image to think of it this way, that messengers at this time didn't have great income. I don't think they had much at all, if they even had any. But it's very unlikely that they would have had shoes. And if they did have shoes, they wouldn't have been very good ones. And they were a bit like, uh, I don't think the pigeons were very well trained. So the messengers would be feet messengers rather than pigeon carriers. I don't think they had great trainers. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) what people would do, these messengers would, would run around this town and basically do what we do with a quick text now they would just pass on messages and they would go back and forth so their heels would become bruised their feet would become cut and I don't know about you but feet are just not the most amazing thing as they stand toes I mean mm, yummy Um, (laughs) but yeah Jesus says beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news these messengers Or us as messengers have been through rejection, been through life that rubs down our heels, been through life that cuts our feet. But yet he says they're beautiful. I want to leave with a story from Matthew 12 where the disciples are out with Jesus, picking some grain. So Jesus does this really cool thing in front of them, which I just want to point out. The (laughs) the Pharisees challenged him in Matthew 12, verse 10, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So he just does. In a case of mercy, he just heals a disfigured man right before their eyes. I just think that's really cool. Um, That Jesus has one sense of humour, but also just the power to go, yeah, I'll show you. Um, Which I just think is really cool. But in this article, it links in the, the relevance of Jesus' Jesus's healing power and his inability to be contained in a box by us. In Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 4, it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed will not break that's an important bit to remember. And a smoldering wick will not he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice and will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth and his teaching the islands will put their hope in him. You see this article that I'm reading this from says we expect most people with special abilities to run to the nearest spotlight hire a prompter or in some way strive for the most fame as possible but Jesus was not like that in fulfillment of prophecy he did not shout or raise ruckus he worked quietly at times purposely avoiding the public eye to accomplish God's will but then this verse speaks about a bruised reed To the world, a bruised reed is a worthless thing. It has no power, no stability, no purpose. It's no good for anything but to be cut down and discarded. In this world, there are many bruised people, individuals who have been wounded emotionally, spiritually or physically, or like the Samaritan woman, socially, spiritually and relationally. And to the most of the world, they are dispensable, but not to God. Amen. The prophecy that Jesus fulfilled is the bruised reed he would not break. You see, Jesus understands the bruised reed. He was bruised for our inequities. In other words, he was bruised on behalf of those bruised by sin. Let your just take a minute to see yourself in this situation. Maybe you've been bruised by sin or bruised by life or bruised by circumstances. Jesus understands the bruised reed. He was bruised for our inequities. Isaiah 53 verse 5. In other words, he was bruised on behalf of those bruised by sin. Those who come to Christ he will not despise and they have his promise from Jesus. <laughs> Isaiah 61 verse 1. Jesus says, God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted." Maybe you feel like a bruised reed or maybe your feet are sore from walking a life that has absolutely broken you or run you down and maybe you have a bruised heel that is just a little bit of a blister and it's not even that much. But God wants to see you, he does see you and he has been sent to bind up the brokenhearted. You may be pressed down with the troubles of this world and you may be struggling with doubt, fear, anxiety, depression you may be disheartened and may be ready to give up but know this jesus cares he will have pity for the brokenhearted compassion for the humble affection for you healing for the afflicted just like that woman accepted jesus's offer for living running water that would give her eternal life come to him in faith humbly trust his strength And find that he is gracious to all of you. I love the story of the Samaritan woman. I love that Jesus risked it all. His reputation, he risked being seen. Like it says, according to John's Gospel, it was the longest conversation held in account in his Gospel. Jesus has intention to speak with you and he will not rush the conversations. He will not rush your encounters because he believes in healing up your wounds. I pray, I pray Jesus that to anyone listening under the sound of my voice will be able to meet with you. Will be able to be vulnerable in front of you and take themselves to you barefoot with their bruises and their scars and their broken hearts ask for your healing and in return will you swap their stagnant water and their desperate efforts for an eternal life for a spring of water that will never leave us thirsty again we thank you that you are a friend. We thank you that you are a blessing, that your word is true, that you come to us but do not shame us. That you give us examples in the Bible of women and Samaritans and people in culture who were shunned, so that we may see that you are a God of kindness, you are a God of acceptance, you are a God that meets us exactly where we're at. I pray for those who feel shamed and rejected and bruised by sin will you meet with them and show them that you will meet with them and love them regardless amen i really hope that you take some hope in this episode it's been something on my heart and i just really hope that you've been able to take the time to get to the end message me if you have and i hope that this message has touched you speak soon guys and god bless Thank you for listening to Rooted the podcast. Make sure you share with a friend this week and if you're listening on Spotify give it a like, follow the page and turn on your notifications. If you're listening on Apple podcasts make sure you follow the page and for both of them give a five star review and let me know what you think. Thank you for listening.